So, how's everybody doing? Good? Well? All right. Well, congratulations to all of you. That's the first thing to say, of course. Memorizing this stuff is not that easy. Now, I've been leading chapel services for quite some time, and over the years I've seen lots of third graders, maybe even some of your older brothers and sisters, working on all of that stuff, the Ten Commandments, the 23rd Psalm, the Beatitudes. My son was even up here one time with his classmates when they recited these verses. Probably maybe even some of your parents were up on these steps saying those verses. So I know how hard all of you have worked. You deserve all the praise, all the admiration that all of you are going to get today from your parents, your family, your friends. So congratulations. Now, in just a few minutes, Dr. Evertsberg and Pastor Katie are going to be presenting each one of you with a shiny new Bible that's embossed with your name. Now, all year long, we've talked about lots of the stories that are found in this book. I've shown you my old Bible, right? Now, I think one of the coolest things about this book is that through its stories, we can see how to live lives the way God wants us to live. Now, one of those famous, one of the most famous and recognizable stories that we find in the Gospels is the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember that one, don't you? Yeah? You guys remember that one? You know, a guy on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's robbed and beaten and left for dead. First, a priest and then a Levite happen upon this half-dead man on the side of the road. Now, back when Jesus was telling this story, all of the people hearing it would have known that these guys, this priest and the Levite, they were people that were important in their society. They were leaders. They were men to admire. And what does each one of them do? They ignore that beaten man, right? They walk right on by, slipping by on the other side of the road. I think sometimes we can look at that and be like, what? Now, back in March, when I talked to you about this parable in chapel, I said that I had a hard time condemning these guys, the priest and the Levite, for avoiding this man. Because I think that if one of us saw a man laying on the ground, maybe down an alley somewhere off a street in Chicago, with the sun going down and the shadows getting long, it's not hard to imagine that we would turn away too, right? But then another man comes along, a Samaritan. And what does he do? Luke tells us that this man was moved with pity. This is the man that stops, bandages the men's wounds, takes him to an inn, takes money out of his own pocket to pay the innkeeper to keep caring for this man. And then Jesus asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the lawyer Jesus was talking to replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now one of the things that we have to remember 
is that to the folks that were listening to Jesus that day, a Samaritan was the last person that they might have thought could be the hero of this story. Jesus' fellow Jews despised Samaritans. They worshipped differently. They had different beliefs. I think a good comparison maybe for today might be to suggest that a Muslim helped out, maybe an undocumented immigrant or a refugee. But it's an outsider, a stranger. This man is the one that stops and offers healing love. So when we think about this parable, I think that we like to think of ourselves as the Samaritan, don't we? We're the hero. We all recognize that to stop and to help out somebody that's hurt, well, that's the right thing to do. But I don't really think that that's what Jesus had in mind when he told that story that day. I think it's better to think of us as the ones that are in the ditch. We are the ones in desperate need of help, of salvation. We are the ones that are in need of God's healing love. Now, all of us here today are fortunate to have large roofs over our heads, abundantly filled pantries and refrigerators, and many of the best goodies of life. We do our best, really, to shield all of you from lots of the ugliness and violence in the world. But all of us, at one time or another, succumb to temptations that can lead us astray. None of us are immune, either in our own lives or in the lives of those we treasure, from illness, injury, or death. And then, as we lay in the gutter, beaten and bloodied by life, and sometimes even by our own questionable choices, we're passed by by those that we might have thought could help. And then we see an outsider on the horizon with a different way and a different message. The despised, radically different, crucified and resurrected Jesus comes and offers his hand to us to lift us up, deliver us to a place of healing. And if we take his hand and go where he leads, our lives are saved. So when you get home today, and as you grow up, I want you to open up these Bibles that you are about to see, receive and, re and read their stories. These are the stories of ordinary men and women, shepherds and slaves, kings and revolutionaries. All of them are human. All of them are sinners like us. But all of them, all of them are loved by God the God who created them. All of them are forgiven by God's own Son who came here to earth to look us in the eye and tell us face to face, God loves you. God loves you. Jesus came to look us in the eye and tell us face to face, God loves you. God loves all of us here this morning. All of us everywhere. Now, back in March, I said that the, Jesus challenges us to do more. I said that accepting God's love and living the way God wants us to live can be tough. It can even be a little bit risky sometimes. 
But this book of love, this book that you are about to receive, tells us that if we love God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind, and if we do the hard and challenging work of loving our neighbors, Jesus will reach out to us, lift us up, and deliver us into God's loving embrace.